Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty and my brother Brian is here. He is anxious to get on the mic, so I'm delaying him because we're talking potassium today. And you know, it's funny. People say, oh man, Darren, do you, does your brother ever talk about anything other than potassium and drainage tile? And I said, well... Those are probably the two things that have made our farm as much money as about anything over the last decade. Yep. So I can see why he's really, really excited about these. And the potassium is one that I get it. Not every soil is the same. And I was just talking to a farmer on the East Coast uh, just before we get on the air. And there's a fertilizer company that's that's recommending a flat rate of here's what you need. You need this many pounds of map, this many pounds of potash on your crop. That's what we do in the fall, and here's what we do in the spring. And I said, that doesn't make any sense. And he said, well, why doesn't it make sense? I said, well, look at the variation in soil types that you have just across your farm. And the guy that I was talking to, I mean, he's got a lot of different soil types. He's got some ground that will go 300 bushel corn, and he's got some that he can barely get 100. And it's like, wait a second, how can you possibly use the same rate of fertilizer on those two fields? You can't. And honestly, you probably shouldn't be using the same rate of fertilizer across any single field that you've got. Now, I get it if your farm is, or if your field is an acre or two. Well, yeah, you can probably flat rate that. But, but realistically, uh, if you got a bigger field, maybe it's even a forty-acre field. There's going to be some different. Okay, zones let's out there. let's get to some specifics though for you. So there are a couple of things you need to know. First of all, with potassium. Yes, you have to have enough pounds out there on a per acre basis to raise the crop you want to raise. And in some cases, the number of pounds is massive. It's enormous. We were talking, I think it was yesterday on the show, about 300 bushel corn. Do you know what 300 bushel corn takes for potassium? Do you know? If you don't, I just encourage you this. Download the free Ag PhD fertilizer removal app. It's something I use almost every day. And you plug in 300 bushel corn, you know what it says? 405 pounds of K2O potassium. Not 40, not 100, not 200, 405 pounds. Now you might say, well, I don't average 300. No, you probably don't. Very few people do. But I'll bet you what, if you're averaging 200 bushel corn, you probably have some spots on your farm that went 300 this year. If you're averaging 200, and you certainly do if you average 240 or 250. So I'm just trying to say... It's a lot of K. Even if you're only averaging 180 bushel corn, you still need a lot of potassium out there. And here's the next thing that I want to share with you about a drought year. In a drought year, you've got to have that much more potassium in your soil. Let me explain why. Potassium is the biggest nutrient need for your crop. Okay, More than nitrogen, more than phosphorus. For a corn crop, potassium is number one. How does potassium get into the plant? It gets in there with water. And potassium doesn't move super well in the soil like nitrogen does. It barely moves at all. So because it barely moves at all, you got to have a fair amount of water to get it into that plant. All right, well, what happens in drought year? All of a sudden, you don't have that fair amount of water to get it into the plant. That means you need to have a higher concentration in the soil. So we always talk about having 4% at a minimum on the base saturation test, but you you definitely want it higher if you're number one going for higher yields and number two if you have a drought year if you get the concentration higher well here let me just give you this think about it this way 
Let's just, here's my example I always give. Let's say I got a bottle of water, okay? Let's call it a 16-ounce bottle of water, and I have some medicine that I have to take today. Think about the medicine just like the potassium that the, the crop needs, okay? But I have some medicine I have to take today, and I dump it in the water, okay? Now think about the concentration of the medicine to water, all right? Now tomorrow, I only have a half a bottle of water there. I only have 8 ounces instead of 16, but I have to take the same dose of medicine, right? So now my concentration is twice as high. That's the same thing you've got to do if you're in a dry area or if you're worried about really, really dry conditions. Now, here's the great news with potassium. You're not going to lose it in a heavy soil like in my geography. We have 20, 25 cation exchange capacity. Our ground's frozen four or five months of the year, and we barely get enough rain to raise a crop. It's never going to leach my potassium out. So in my type of soil, I'm never going to lose that potassium. So if I just build it up, all I have to do is maintenance from there on out, and now I'm in good shape. If I have enough concentration to then get K into the crop, even in a drought year, like on our farm, we've got some 250, 260 bushel corn, and we barely had any rain this year. It's unbelievable. But part of the reason why is because we built our K up. And here's the other great thing about building your K up. You're not going to have your crop falling all over the place like you commonly see. A good example of this was right on, so I'm right in our home farm right now. Darren and I are live in the Morton studio today. And if you ever come to the Ag PhD field day, you'll turn the corner to get on our gravel road to go down to the field day site. You'll go right past our office and right past our, our studio here, the, the Morton studio. So anyway, in this same section, we have our corn and a neighbor has their corn. And the neighbor, I'm not going to say they aren't doing a good job farming. They're doing fine. But they don't have as high a level of potassium as we do. And it's common that happens like this year where we had big winds. We had big winds come through. Our corn was standing fine. Neighbors fell down. And usually when your corn falls down, who do you call? Do you call the fertilizer dealer? No, you call the seed corn company. Quick calling the seed dealer. It's not the seed corn's fault. And I realize there are differences from variety to variety. But the main reason why your corn went down is you don't have enough K out there. And rather than, you know, dancing around the topic and saying, well, we'll try to help you out and try to find you a better uh, corn variety and all this kind of stuff. I mean, one, you can cut, cut your population. That'll make your stock bigger. But two, just get more K out there. So if you say, man, I'm really going for high yields, so I want to bump my population. Before you bump your population, please increase your K. And we've learned this firsthand by screwing it up on our own farm. I was just talking to a guy yesterday, neighbor of ours, two miles away. He's harvesting one direction. I said, yeah, that stinks. We did that one time where we had to harvest a bunch, one direction, one mile an hour, and I vowed I'm never going through that again. So how do we prevent that? Number one, we cut our po planting population back today. But then in the long term, we just build our K levels up. Then we can start boosting our 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 planting population and we'll be fine. So anyway, look at pounds per acre, look at base saturation. You got to have both. The base saturation just tells you the ratio of K to other nutrients in the soil. That's important too if you want to get the right amount of K into your plant. So we'll talk about potassium throughout the show today. If you want to give us a call, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. <sighs> Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice, with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, 
Simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Talking potassium on today's Ag PhD radio program. We're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you'd like to debate this topic a little bit, talk about how you're doing potassium on your farm, it'd be great to hear. Also, if you've got soil tests or pictures or anything you want to send us or questions, radio at agphd.com is the place to do that too. So let's get back to the phone. We had an interesting discussion recently with Kelly Garrett down in western Iowa about nitrogen and fall nitrogen application. And so we thought, huh, let's talk to Kelly again and see about potassium, see what he thinks. Because, you know, Kelly, I don't know if you noticed this, but Brian's a little bit opinionated about this particular topic. Brian's opinionated about everything. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you on that. I, I would say he's got a, a pretty hardline approach to a lot of things. So, okay, so the potassium one, I will say this, though. It is it has been born out of a lot of trial work. Uh, we, we have invested a lot of money in this, and, and we've completely switched gears from the way that our grandparents had done it and the way that our dad had done it, and that was all based on data. So I know you're a big data guy on your farm as well. What have you found with potassium that actually moves the needle? Well, I like to have a good base fertility program and make sure that I have enough parts per million, but I also want to make sure that I pay attention to my base saturation, that it's available, and then in, in a planter applied situation or a foliar situation, I want, to, I want to apply potassium acetate to get more into the plant to supplement the base fertility that I've got. You know, one of the fun things that we've done at the Ag PhD Field Day site over the years is we've worked with a lot of high-yield growers, including Kelly. And it's funny because 
there's so many different approaches to potassium. There's so many different products that that high yield growers are saying, okay, uh, Glenn, why don't you put this one on for me and put it on at this timing? And so I think Glenn Glenn probably should be on the show today too, just because he's tried so many different ones. So okay, talk to me about Absolutely. potassium acetate. What do you, what do you see about that particular one that you like? Well, you know, we always want to make sure that we get enough into the plant, and a lot of times the roots just can't take enough up either because of the demand of the plant or base saturation problems where it's not available. So when we're going across the field, we spray a lot of K fuel from Nature's, uh, which is an OO24 potassium acetate, highly available. Just about every time I go across the field, I'm going to spray a gallon of that. Okay. You know, that's one of the things too that, that we, we hear a lot from growers is I, I'm watching my plant tissue tests. I'm watching the trends throughout the year and I see there are times that I just can't keep up even when I am catching the rain. I know with dry land farming, a lot of times it's, well, I didn't get rain, so I'll give that couple of weeks a pass, but then let's see what happens as soon as we catch another rainfall to get it in. Uh, I, I agree with you that pushing some extra K in, especially at those high uptake times can be really exactly. important. The challenge that we've run into though kelly and i don't i'm not going to speak about the the particular product that you're talking about but there have been some other products out there on the market that have really had a negative uh phyto issue and they burned the crop they've they've stressed the crop a little bit and that was one of the things that glenn had commented on that man i'm, I'm always worried about any kind of negative impacts i have with a, an in-season fertilizer app absolutely and potassium acetate is safe it, it just works very well. In our tissue sampling, when we were trying, when we were first starting on this, we wanted to see actually how available is it. Uh, we apl applied potassium acetate through my Netafin drip system, and we saw a response in three days. And that was, uh, that was going through the drip. That wasn't a foliar. But it's just so highly available that it's, it, it really needs to be part of your program. Okay, when we think about the program and potassium, Brian was kind of hitting on this just a little bit earlier that everybody's concerned about the corn and standability and those kinds of things, and that is a big deal. But the soybeans have a really high demand as well, and they're trying to pull that potassium up in such a short time window when, when they're blooming and and building seed in the pods, those types of things, that, that soybeans can be a high demand. So when you're doing these foliar-type applications or applications through the drip tape, how, how do you do it differently in corn versus soybeans? Do you start earlier in the year? Do you do, you do it longer? Uh, anything like that that we should be thinking about? On, on soybeans, we're going to lean a lot on the base fertility program. And then in that R1, R2, R3 time frame, we're going to make a couple passes and potassium acetate will be part of both of those passes. Absolutely, you're correct. Uh, soybeans are a big nitrogen hog, and we want to, to get that top-end yield. You really need to supply it at those times. Yeah, I think the, the foliar applications have really been something pretty interesting that we've seen over the last few years. I know at the Ag PhD field, they get a lot of comments about, how did you do this? And a lot of times Glenn will say, hey, we, we did this at a very specific timing, and we got a response. Uh, we're talking with Kelly... That Oh, go ahead, Kelly. Yes. No, I'm, that, I, your timing thing, really, I mean, that's exactly right. I learned this from Lee Lubers, that, you know, soybeans have a very poor, I shouldn't say very poor, but soybeans relative to corn have a poor root system. So a foliar application of nutrients is very important, and the timing of those nutrients is also very important. 
Yep. Yeah, Lee's a smart guy, and there's a lot to pick up there, and he's absolutely right. That soybean root system just not quite as big. Uh, again, we're speaking with Kelly Garrett here. He's part of the Extreme Ag Group Farms down in western Iowa. Uh, Kelly, thank you so much. Really appreciate your uh, your insight today on potassium. Thank you, Darren. Anytime. Bye. Yep. Uh, got Catherine Wolf with us right now with AgriLiquid. All right, Catherine, so we're talking about foliar. I was thinking about the Sure that we use on our farm. We've had a nice boost from that, uh, but you've got other products too that you talk about. So when we think about potassium, what are some of the things from the AgriLiquid perspective that, that we should be keeping in mind? Uh, yeah, so so some products to definitely consider and keep in mind when we're thinking about our potassium program for this year. Obviously, like you said, SureK is one of my favorites. Not only can we apply that in the planter uh, via infuro or two-by-two placement, but we can also apply that foliarly. Another great product that I really love and I have a lot of growers utilize is a product called Calibrate. It's a 2010 6% sulfur product. It has a low salt formulation, very clean, efficient. And what I love using that for is not necessarily soybeans, but more so on corn. So with that sulfur and a lot of guys struggling to get extra sulfur into their program where they need, um, that's a great potassium product to not only get potassium to that corn crop uh, through infuro or two-by-two placement, but it's also a great product to also help sneak some sulfur into that program where we can. I love hearing the discussion when we get talking about plant nutrients because there are some farmers that, that say, wow, there is such a difference from one source of a nutrient to a different one, and they get it because they've done some trial work. But there are a lot of farmers that say, oh, no, a pound's a pound, doesn't really matter. I'm just looking for what's cheap. What are they missing, Catherine, if they're just looking for, for where they can buy the pound for the cheapest? Where they're looking, I guess what they're missing and looking at, and a lot of conversations that I know I've been having this year, um, looking where the fertilizer market is and availability um, just in general with crop inputs this year, is guys want to sit there and figure out, you know, and I think the common train I thought is we think of how can we minimize expenses where we really need to frame that train of thought to focus on how do we maximize profitability in our fertility program. Um, obviously, you want to start out with a great soil test. I want to know how much potassium do we have in that soil and what is that ratio um, in your base saturation for that potassium? Is it going to be available to that crop? And then I know we have to sit there and think about which nutrients are really going to move that needle. And for a lot of growers, potassium is one of those critical nutrients that sometimes gets overlooked, but is essentially critical. Um, not only does it help with grain fill and seed size and quality, um, also helps, like you were mentioning earlier, with stock strength and root growth. And then that's when we use uh, products such as Calibrate or SureK that we know are going to be efficient to that plant. Um, they're chelated and encapsulated with our flavanol polymer technology to really make sure that that product is not going to get tied up in the soil and that potassium in the product is going to be available and ready to be utilized by that plant. I think our listeners are already catching on to the message here that, yes, having pounds out there is important, but getting it into the plant is what actually makes yield. So you got to pay attention to what is moving the needle in the plant, and you can you can actually see a lot of the visual things. That's wonderful, but are you actually getting that product into the plant? That's how you spend your best money. Uh, we're talking with Catherine exactly. Wolf here with AgroLiquid. Catherine, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. No problem. Thank you for your time. Have a great day. You too. Talking potassium on the show today, and yes, Brian already opened the can up about uh, parts per million and base saturation, those kinds of things. I know there's differing views about that out there, so we'll talk more about it coming up right after this. 
Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD-TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. When it comes to weed control, our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist Weave Control System, just better, with no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weed control. Enlist.com. Enlist.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Talking about potassium on the show today and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us radio at agphd.com. Real happy to have Steve Coleman with us right now, state soil fertility specialist with Ohio State University. Steve, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, so we get to fall and growers get to the crop out of the field. One of the first things they're looking at already is, I want to get some fertilizer out there for next year, and potassium is definitely one of those nutrients that's often considered. So as we're putting fall pea out, I know there's a lot of concern about putting fall nitrogen out due to leaching or volatilization loss, different different ways you could lose the end. What about K? How much concern do you have about losing any fall-applied K? 
Yeah, there's really uh, not something we think a whole, whole lot about. I mean, uh, in terms of it being a, a concern, we know that um, once we get a little bit of mixing uh, uh, fertilizer to soil contact, that is not, we're not going to have uh, very minimal losses at that point when that happens, yeah. Now, I know when we're raising a corn crop, there's so much plant there. I, I mean, the plants are oftentimes eight, nine, ten feet tall, even taller. We've got a lot of K that's in that above-ground material, and when that plant material breaks down and the K is released, a lot of that K doesn't move through the soil very well. And, and I know we found in our farm a lot of K, a high concentration in the top couple of inches. Do you have any mm -hmm. strategies to deal with that, or is that a real concern? Yeah, so, you know, this idea of just a really concentrated um, surface layer of K, or, the, you know, we call that stratification of nutrients in the soil, that's a real, really common and just naturally occurring phenomenon. And it's, of course, um, made, uh, you know, it's exacerbated or, or, or made, uh, you know, increase in, ter in terms of when um, nutrients are being taken up in something like a really productive crop like corn or, you know, plenty of other things. Um, so in terms of management, you know, there's been a lot of studies kind of looking at stratification and, and how much that matters. Um, and kind of frustratingly, sometimes the answer to that is it depends, but most of the time we don't view it as a great concern um, considering that, most of the plant roots are at that that surface layer, just where the nutrients are. Now, the, the challenge really with stratification becomes when you have very limited soil moisture and very little uptake activity in that in that surface uh, layer of soil. So that's when it becomes tricky to try to consider that. But again, that's you know very dynamic, and of course, it, the surface of soil is wetting up and drying down constantly over the course of a growing season. So it, it becomes kind of challenging to manage. We have options, of course. Uh, some of, some are obvious, but um, in terms of deep, you know, deep placement or, sh or strip tilling and things like that. But um, a lot of times, those aren't really attractive options for growers. So um, they, at least in my neck of the woods, tend not to manage for K stratification too much. I love that you said it depends, Steve. You just bailed me out because I know I'm going to get questions that come up later in the show. I'm going to say, well, it depends. That's absolutely right. It does completely depend on a lot of different factors here, so it's tough to make those blanket statements. Um, one question that's come up quite a bit is cover crop. And if I put a cover crop out there, is that going to help me? Is that going to hurt me with nutrient availability? What have you seen? I, I know that Ohio State's looked at cover crops a lot, and there are quite a few growers in Ohio that are doing cover crops. How does that mm -hmm. change the, the potassium fertilization program, if at all? Yeah, well, you know, anecdotally, we hear a lot from farmers that um, when we have cover crops and, you know, nutrients available, especially when those cover crops are allowed, you know, planted in time to accumulate biomass. And, you know, you can go out and measure the nutrients in that, um, in, in a cover crop, of course, and there can be a fair amount of N, P, and K, um, potassium especially. And that is uh, really held in a in available form, you know, anytime it's in a crop residue, it's typically going to be uh, not susceptible to loss via leaching or, or washing out or whatever erosion, but it's going to be uh, pretty available in terms of how quickly that nutrient is turned over and made available to the, the, the next growing crop or that cash crop. 
So it's a great strategy for really, you know, kind of this idea of a slow-release fertilizer, you know, a spoon-fed fertilizer. Cover crops can be a, a very nice option uh, for that from a nutrient management perspective. Yeah, I think it's it's neat. As farming practices change, we just have to keep paying attention and making some adjustments as we go along. On our farm, mm-hmm. one of the things that we're we're going to start working on here really soon is putting out manure. And I know we're we're balancing out well how many gallons of liquid manure are we going to put out here per acre? And a lot of times we're looking at nitrogen. Of well, I don't want to exceed what we need for nitrogen and potassium. Sometimes. We may need more, even if we're putting manure out there, or we may have an excess, depending on uh, what rate we're running with. What do you see with the manure application across the state of Ohio? Are there some sources of manure that growers really need to watch out for, that they're not getting enough K, or that they're getting too much? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, It's not something, you know, um, I'll just say that I don't have um, a lot of experience with that, but I do know that um, a lot of our growers are using some, you know, uh, liquid swine manure as a really nice um, uh, manure source. Uh, that 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 can be, it's pretty well matched in terms of uh, crop removal rates. And so we have, um, you know, plenty of growers in our state that are using that, and uh, you know, not having to worry about applying at a nitrogen, kind of the rate of nitrogen needed and not having a lot of loading and other nutrients, say like phosphorus or potassium. So that seems as a source to be a, a really attractive option for a lot of growers here. Sure, sure. I, I know I was mentioning earlier in the show that, that we've changed how uh, our grandparents and our parents used to do uh, potassium applications. My dad looked at it this way. He's like, man, it costs this much to do an application. So I just want to do it every other year and put a big dose mm-hmm. out for both my corn and my soybeans. And Brian and I, we've got equipment to do that application ourselves now. And so we've decided let's, let's fertilize the corn for what the corn needs. And then we'll see if we have unbelievably high yields, well, we're going to need more than we would have planned for normally. Cause we, we depleted things out of the soil a little bit. So what do you see in Ohio? Do you see still a lot of guys doing the two-year rotation uh, where they're putting it on once every other year, or are you seeing more and more guys putting some on both of, both of the crops? Yeah, I mean, we definitely see a more frequent application, um, you know, especially with K, and there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of folks out there that really believe that that's a, a, a great option in terms of, you know, of course there's um, – You've got applica- increased application costs with that, but in terms of availability, it's interesting. Our our fertilizer recommendations, you know, we just uh, updated them, had a kind of comprehensive update. But um, we, uh, the you know, the kind of at least in the '90s, the the original recommendations uh, as they released said, you know, not just two years, but you can go three and four years, right? And so we we don't see very many people doing that. Um, but you know, we also need to recognize that soils are pretty highly buffered. Of course, depending on the soil, the heavier, heavier that ground is, the more buffered they are and the more resistant to change. And so there's a lot of K in that soil already. And you know, typically say if we're in the, in the, in the Midwest, you're going to have soils with a a lot of potassium available. Uh, that's there. Is it, is it all available? Of course not. But, um, we like to, you know, we, we do see growers moving into more frequent applications, and that's something that we're we're hoping to look at. We're we're hoping to kind of 
generate some of that data starting um, next spring. Actually, we're working with the, with a group of growers to try to to think about if it matters for say every other year application or every year application, if, if that makes sense from a production perspective. So it's a, a, a an interesting question that's a bit unanswered, at least. At least here for now. So. Yep, yep. But it, but it does, like you say, it does get people excited about. It. Let's do a study on that. Let's learn a little bit more about that. And especially with high priced fertilizer right now, growers mm-hmm. for sure don't want to put out uh, one pound too much or one pound more than they're going to need. So they're turning to, yeah, to uh, good sources of advice, like Steve Coleman here with Ohio State University. Steve, we got to run, but really appreciate having you on the show today. Thanks for thanks for all the information. It's really great. Great, great. Thanks for having me. You bet. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking potassium, but also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. When it comes to harvest, every kernel counts. And nothing captures more kernels than the new Drago GT or the proven Drago Series 2 corn heads. Both have automatic self-adjusting deck plates, and the new Drago GT features quad suspension deck plate ear shocks for even greater harvest efficiency. Nothing in the field captures more yield. For more information on Drago Cornheads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotec.com. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. 
New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking about potassium on today's show. It's something that has been a, a big, big nutrient of importance for us on our farm. We had a lot of soils that the soil test showed we had good levels, but we just had Steve Coleman on with Ohio State University. He said, eh, just because you have potassium out there does not necessarily mean it's going to be readily available for your crop. And that's exactly what we found on our farm. So started building potassium levels a little more. It really helped us with yield, with standability, with plant health, and more. So pretty excited about that particular topic of potassium. But our phone lines are open. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll discuss any agronomic topic you've got. And we've got one of those topics that, unfortunately, is coming up for a lot of growers this year, downed corn. we got Matt on with us right now. He's over in Minnesota in an area that got some tough weather. Matt, how you doing? Oh, not too bad. I mean, yeah, the topic isn't the best one, or one that we really want to talk about, but um, something we're dealing with. Yep, yep, that's for sure. Well, okay, so you got downed corn. What what percentage is down? Is it all down? And uh, how many of the, the corn plants made a good year? Um, we're thinking about... Um, uh, well, end of August we had we had about 80 mile an hour wind, and the early corn was kind of we were dry, and it was, the early corn was kind of starting to cannibalize already, so that all broke off. Um, maybe 10% of it didn't, um, but we're getting through now, and and we're trying to get it into the combine, and we're you know we're we're doing the best we can, but it's not going to be perfect. Um, so I guess to answer your question on the stuff we're taking right now, we're taking the worst first. Um, it's just going to be our approach this year um, to try and get it figured out. But maybe 10% is all uh, sure. that that actually is, um, you know, uh, matured past the end of August. Um, so we have a lot of ears on the ground. And, and that's kind of what um, I have a neighbor. I, I'm, I'm just a crop farmer. Um, don't have any cattle or livestock. I've got a neighbor that approached me and wants to graze uh, the corn stalks here this fall. Tillage is a big thing for us. Uh, we have to, um, it's just part of our program. We just have to turn it over to get it warm up in the spring. And I don't, number one, my question is, what's the nutritional value of that corn laying on the ground? Um, and is it better to have it processed by a cow or just leave it lay? And number two, um, can I go out there and work that ground just with a disc ripper? Is that going to be really hard on the cows? Um, and let them go out there after that? Yeah, that's, would you, would you, uh, that's a good question. I, I haven't done that before. And, and it was interesting because I, I saw the topic and we've been looking at this because you're not the first one that's asked some of these same questions. And I know North Dakota State had a, a good article they had put out about just things to watch out for if you do put cattle out there. And one of the things that they were talking about is trying to make a yield estimate and see how much grain is actually on the ground. 
and that will kind of give you an indication of, of what it's worth and what kind of benefit you might see and so forth. Personally, I like to see that kind of stuff run through a cow rather than having to deal with it next year. Maybe you have less volunteer corn pressure that way. Not that you're going to have zero, but but maybe they take care of some of that for you. That would be wonderful in and of itself, just not having to fight that. Uh, but right. If we could just spray once for it instead of twice. Yes, yes. That would, that would be worth it right there. And I know that, that cattle, when you first turn them out in there, it, it really depends because it, it seems like some cows just go right for the corn and, and others just kind of graze through everything a little bit. And so that, that can determine some things too now for you you'd just as soon have them pick all that corn up and and eat that Mm -hmm. but it'd be kind of nice for you too with all those stalks to to clean some of that mess up as well but that's just a little tougher to chew now you're mentioning the earlier corn was already starting to cannibalize so some of those stalks may not be too bad and the cattle may may more readily graze those than than some that were still green and hard So is the nutritional value or the value of 30 bushel on the ground, you know, just P and K wise, um, worth it for me to cut back on my fertilizer, you know what I I mean, fertilizer removal of that 30 bushel that's on the ground. If I go out there and I put the cows on it, am I going to get more fertilizer value? I sure think so. I, I, I think let's just say, for example, say you had, uh, 100 bushel corn that that you harvested in the combine and 30 bushel was laying on the ground, would you kind of go off the 100 bushel removal as to what really left the field? I'd probably say so. And then the the rest of it, if it runs through the cow, gets processed out as manure that goes right back on your ground, hey, that fertilizer is already out in the field. So I'd be more concerned about the 100 bushel that left. Okay. So let the cows out there. I would, but, you know, maybe you have a time limit on it and say, you know what, let's run cows out there for a month. That still gives me a shot, hopefully, to do my tillage that I like to get done because, man, if you get a mess of stocks out there, that's going to be really tough to deal with in the spring. And if that, you can kind of watch the weather and just see if you see, boy, it's going to start snowing uh, next week on Friday, then then I'd get the cattle out of there and get, get doing what you got to do to prep the field for next year. Okay. Yep. We'll do that then. Yeah, that's that's, that's a tough anyways, tough situation. Yeah. Did you see that on uh, across the whole farm, or did you have some areas of the farm that didn't get impacted? Uh, you know, it's hard to ask a hybrid, regardless of brand or yeah. maturity, yeah. to stand you know against eighty mile an hour. But yep. um, we do have some varieties that root lodge and then break, and they're they were able to finish. And if we can. And we can actually get it picked up. We've got a capello corn head, and it's really, you know, pr- the big sprocket on the front is helping us out get getting the root lodge stuff picked up and flipped into the head. Awesome. So I will say that, um, but I, I'm, 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 I'm really trying not to, uh, you know, jump to any conclusions or change a lot of program stuff based on this year because yeah. you can't ask anything to stand no anything. no I, I i know what you mean because gosh you get that that kind of wind it's going to knock grain bins it's going to damage buildings yeah. and houses and trees and everything else while a corn plant isn't going to hold up either but no i i get it you just kind of got to make the best of it. it did it impact your soybean crop too did you have much issues there um we won weighed um uh, a couple fields uh but that was that was about it. Um, then we only we only one weighed it because we had to use the rail quite a bit going um, 
going with the wind. Um, and it was dry. They got down to 9% and we were just too much head loss. So yeah. we won weighed those, but otherwise we had really pretty good beans. Um, awesome. I, I don't, I don't think the wind affected them much. It laid them absolutely flat. Um, you know, the day after, I thought it was a disaster. You know, I, I figured even the even the beans got broke off, but they sprung back up. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, we got we got a little bit of wind. Uh, I think I think our uh, weather station said seventy three mile an hour, and it came with some hail. So we had more more issue with the hail than than we necessarily did with the wind. But some of our neighbors that that must have caught a little more wind than we did, it didn't look good. And yeah, those fields going one way. Uh, we've done that before, and we know that's not fun. So we'll be we'll be thinking about you, Matt, and the guys up in your area too as a as a tough deal, but. Um, ho- hopefully, like you say, with the uh, with the soybeans turning out decent, hopefully you still end up okay. Yeah, we'll be all right. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for the call, Matt. We really appreciate it. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, we're talking about potassium today, and a lot of times um, we'll, we'll say, "Oh man, we get better standability when we got potassium." But boy, Matt's right. There, there are some winds that nothing's going to stand really well either. So it's not like it's a cure-all against wind, but it does help on, especially on some of the milder winds to hold things up a little bit better. And here's the other thing too, and, and Matt made this comment, there's a difference in the corn maturity. It's it's exactly why we often talk about spreading your risk out a little bit and planting different maturities and different hybrids and different populations. He said some of that early corn had already started to cannibalize with, with some of the drought conditions and stuff that they had had earlier. Uh, and and that doesn't do any favors for that crop. If it cannibalizes early, it's going to be a little bit weaker. And he mentioned that the early stuff snapped. And when we look at potassium, and I don't know if potassium is what they were running out of at that point. It could have been everything due to the drought. But if you had a decent year and you see early cannibalization, take a look at what you are short in. If it's potassium, get more of it out there. Uh, We'll take more of your calls and questions and continue the potassium discussion right after this. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide. 
the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentra Zone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about potassium and I gave Brian the floor here for the first few minutes of the show. He's very fired up about potassium always. And I, I always warn people, if you want to talk to Brian, just don't ask him about drain tile and don't ask him about potassium or you're going to be there for a long time. So we got Brian cut off. We're letting some other voices have the air here for this potassium talk. And I thought it'd be fun to go north of the border here. we got Jake Monroe with us right now up in Ontario, Canada. He's a soil fertility specialist with the Ontario Ministry of Ag. Jake, thanks for joining us. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay, I know you guys had an interesting growing season up there in Ontario as well. Uh, what's happening out in the fields right now, and is potassium fertilizer going to be a big thing going on this fall? Yeah, so we did have an interesting season. We started off really dry, and... Uh, yeah, we, the rain started at the end of June, and, and for the most part, other than a little blip in August, they've kind of continued. And so, yeah, right now there's not a lot going on in the way of uh, field activity. We got some rain in the last couple of days, but uh, yeah, certainly, you know, growers' minds are on, yeah, uh, fertil- fertility planning for, I think in particular, you know, once they, once the once the crop is off, they'll be able to put their full attention to it. But yeah, potassium's been a big topic. Uh, we've seen on uh, on average, over the last number of years, that potassium levels have been have been slipping, sliding a little bit. So potassium is top of mind for a lot of growers. Hey, you know, that's a great point, that the K levels have been slipping a bit. And I know when it was, well, we had a number of years there where it was really tough to make money in our region farming. And now we got some pretty good prices. And so we finally have to pay the piper here where we are cutting back or mini growers are cutting back on, on some of the fertility or just barely trying to get by. Here's our shot again to put a little bit more out there. And unfortunately, the fertilizer price is up too, but that's about the way that it goes. What are you seeing with growers this year and what are their intentions going into this fall? Are they worried about the high fertilizer price to the point that they're going to cut rates? Or are they, as ex- are they excited about higher prices and the chance to get more bushels? More recently, I've, I've been chatting with growers about the, you know, I know it's across the board, but more in terms of high, you know, the high nitrogen rate. And I think, um, I know you're talking potassium, but I think that, that's going to require some more 
you know, kind of keying in and more fine tuning a nitrogen management. I think it's going to push growers that way. Um, again, for for potash, I think it's it's going to be field specific. So I think, you know, in my opinion, those those fields that, like you said, and, and like I mentioned, there are the levels have been, you know, they've because we've had strong yields over the last number of yield years. We've had we've had high removal, and I I I see growers targeting those fields where they know there's there's potential potential be, you know being left left on the table um so whether it's you know year of fertilizing or or making sure that we're you're starting to at the very minimum address removal but maybe build up levels that have slipped um that's kind of the emphasis i see now when it comes to uh ontario i know this you've got some variable soils as, as you travel across ontario and we talk to a lot of growers up there we we see a lot of soil samples there's some really light soil there's uh, some heavier soil as well, and a lot of different crop rotations that are being used. When you look at potassium, is this an every year application for growers? Are they trying to get uh, one time in their rotation, maybe every for every second year or every third year putting K out? What do you see application strategies like up there? Well, it, it varies, but uh, certainly a good number of the growers that I speak to, um, particularly those that have have got winter wheat in their rotation. So, you know, three crop corn, soybean, winter wheat rotation. Yeah. A lot of them are, are looking at, you know, making a, you know, potentially a, you know, th- three year crop removal application in that post wheat uh, harvest uh, time period. Um, you know, there's certainly other growers who, you know, just managing fertility year of that tends to be more on rented ground. That's our official recommendations in Ontario are a sufficiency approach. So, you know, that's, our recommendations are, you know, based on a soil test, what's your optimal rate uh, for for specific crops in that year, and and yeah, it can, uh, you know, we've got we've got you know reasonable data to show that that's that's effective, um, but we've also got some new research looking at, you know, what what's the impact of building levels a bit higher where we've got you know longer land tenure owned land where we can really invest in that and, and push productivity. Talking with Jake Monroe with the Ontario Ministry of Ag, and and you bring up a great point, Jake. The the rented ground versus the owned ground scenario. I know I just got in this discussion this morning with uh, an agronomist and one of his uh, farmers that he works with and consults with had a piece of rented ground that he's losing. And I said, well, are they going to try and buy it? And he's like, oh, no, no, it's too close to town. There's going to be development out there. It's going to go for too much money. And so they haven't been focused as much on the fertility there just because they knew that was at risk. And I think you're absolutely right there. If you know for sure you got a long tenure, you can you can do some things. You can afford to make bigger investments. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jake, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today to talk a little about potassium and fertility. Uh, Good luck to all the growers up in Ontario as they try to finish up harvest. Thanks very much. Nice speaking with you. You bet. Uh, Let's head out to Illinois. Got Keith on right now with a question about winter wheat herbicides. Keith, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, Darren. How about yourself? Well, pretty good. Pretty good. What are you thinking on winter wheat? What are you targeting for, for a weed spectrum here? Well, I've, I've taken your advice on uh, on doing the sharpen thing on wheat uh, in the past when I've drilled the wheat, but uh, this year I think I'm going to uh, broadcast it and and work it in. So I'm I'm really not going to be using the sharpen. I don't think to to burn anything down. It'd just be for the residual portion of it. And sure. I didn't know if that was still 
still kind of a recommendation or if there was something else I ought to be using, being that I was just looking for the residual portion. Well, absolutely. Sharpen can still work in that situation. It's going to provide some good residual control on the broad leaves. Uh, you, you're right. Uh, you could get two things out of the product. You could have got the burn down out of it, too, if you needed it, but you don't. So that's fine. Still a really good residual option for broadleaf control. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm getting ready to do that here before too long, but we just we're not really getting the weather to to be able to be planting too much stuff. We're we're uh, we're getting plenty of rain. Seems like. Yeah, it's been interesting. I, I know there are different areas here where, where growers have really struggled. Well, I should say all across the country, where growers have struggled getting soybeans out of the out of the field just because, man, everything's just too wet and it's not drying down, and that gets to be a challenge. And and I was talking to one of my friends this morning that was just over. Uh, uh, in Minnesota over the weekend, and he said, "Man, what's going on, Darren? They they're not getting their crop out." And I said, "Believe me, it's not because they don't want to. <laughs> it's it's the weather hasn't been very conducive." So, you know, here we go. We've we've caught some rains, and I, I was just looking the western part of South Dakota that's been really dry. They caught some rains for those guys. They're like, "Wow, we got the winter weed in the ground, so should get a good stand out of this thing now." So hopefully, the same happens for you. Got good moisture in there. Get get her off to a good start. Well, that's kind of what I'm hoping, and I just uh, I, I just had that question about the herbicide, and I appreciate your time. You bet. Thanks a lot, Keith. Good luck. Thank you. Let's dive into the Ag PhD mailbag, Janelle. It's the mailbag. All right, uh, we were talking about creeping Charlie just yesterday on the show. It's a it's a really tough weed in grass areas and in lawns. And uh, we had a question about that yesterday, and we got another one that came in today. This one came from M.M., and he said, just planted new seed, and I've got Creeping Charlie already taking over. Makes me want to just dig a huge hole deep enough to get it, roots and all. And I get it. Oh, that is a frustrating weed. And here's the challenge with that new seeding. Uh, I know when Brian and I were younger and we were seeding grass, uh, our dad had given us the advice. He said, okay, well, my experience has been, and he was he was talking about 2,4-D specifically. He said, my experience has been when I seed new grass, that 2,4-D, if you use it at a strong enough rate to take out a perennial like Creeping Charlie, you're going to ding that grass and you could potentially hurt your stand. And he said, I would, I would rather give it a shot here because seed is expensive and I don't want to take the time to reseed it either. He said, I'd rather take the chance that we let the weed go for a little bit and we try to spray it later after we've cut the grass a few times, then it's got a good solid root system underneath it and we can go after it with a strong enough rate to try and take out that creeping Charlie. I don't know if he's right about that or not. We That's kind of how we've managed it, that, yep, we got new seed, let's give it a shot. And I know what you're saying. You're, you just soon throw in the towel and kill everything out there. I, I had a great uncle, and I've told this story on air a couple of times, that he got so mad at the Creeping Charlie, he sprayed Roundup on his lawn. And his wife was not very happy with him about that <laughs> decision. But he did wipe out the Creeping Charlie for a little bit. Unfortunately, he didn't use a strong enough rate, and it came back on him uh, in his new seeding grass. So that can be really frustrating. So, yeah, what I would do is try and take a shot at that. Uh, if you get the grass really established well, maybe by next spring you'll be able to take a good good hard swing at Creeping Charlie. And for me, my money's on Freelex. I like that product just because it doesn't have the volatility issues of other 2,4-D and dicamba-type products. Thanks for the question, MM. Really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.